0: Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and I've been yakking at you about your house. Is your house a house, or is your house holy ground? If you're just joining us in this series, I've been talking about the home is holy ground, and I told this story, which I think of every time I say the phrase, home is holy ground. I walked into our house on a very hot day. I took off my shoes and my feet feet felt the cool tile. That was sotile tile in the house on 53rd place that had to be, oh my goodness, 25 years ago. Or more, more, 35 years ago. And the tile was really kind of sweet to us because we bought this house and took up the linoleum and shaggy lime green carpet. <laughs> to put Sotillo tile down. We had just moved from the Midwest, Chicago, and we were in the Southwest, and we wanted to have a Southwest house. It turns out I'm really not much of a Southwest designer. But we got the tile, and it was quite cozy and wonderful, and we had it for a long time. And it really is a perfect product for the floor because you can't destroy it. It's always cool. It's easy to clean. It's very inexpensive. But we changed it out, and actually tore down that house and rebuilt a house in the same place. And now we've left that house and we are in our last physical dwelling. Well, we think it is. We don't know what's really next. Remember what I talked about a few days ago? In the world, we will have trouble, but he has overcome the world. Whatever our trouble is ahead of us, God has already overcome it. I've been talking about the various places in your home, that your home is all holy ground, that you have an opportunity to set the thermostat to make it a holy ground. And then I've been going room by room. Now, I want you to go with me for just about 30 seconds and think about the kitchen. What do you feel about the kitchen? I'm counting, 15, 30, 30 seconds. What did you come up with? Well, I did it to myself before I came on air. Necessary, beautiful, aromatic. Wasn't that a good word? But I thought, I love to scents some smells in the kitchen. Now come my organized ideas about the kitchen, and I can't help it. I'm an organizer, and I've talked about the kitchen for decades. A hot place, a cold place, a frozen place, a wet place, a dry place, Yikes. You know what it is? It's a complicated place. And I can be very territorial about my kitchen. Can you? No, you can't come and help me because I don't want you to come and help me. Because why? Well, because you don't do it my way. That's all. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's a, for all the reasons I've ever said no to anybody, it's because you don't do it my way. And uh, I, and you don't do it my way. Now, I have a couple of groups of people in my life, three or four, who have been in my home so many times, and I guess they love me enough. They know where everything is. They know where it belongs. They put it back. They know how I like it to be washed. One of the young women in one of my young groups, she says, I'm sorry, I don't wash dishes your way, but I'll wash them my way. And she does wash them very well, I must admit. So I don't want you to help me because I don't want to do it your way. Or better than that, I don't want to do it again after you're gone. Now that says a lot about how uh, persnickety I can be. Now when I was a young woman, I didn't want you in my kitchen because my kitchen was a disaster. I'm a very messy cook. I have always been a messy cook. I will always be a messy cook. The reason why I started wearing aprons was because I went home from whatever I was doing in good clothes, and I had to make a dinner, and I had three things of that dinner on my person before I was even finished cooking it, much less eating it. So I thought, no, 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 no. And the other thing is, while I don't like to go shopping... I definitely don't like to go clothes shopping, and I don't like to change my clothes. I try to get dressed once a day in the same kind of clothes I can wear all day. And if that sometimes means I'm going to something in the morning that's a little dressier, I'm wearing something a little dressier than I really need for morning, it's okay, because I don't want to go home and change my clothes. So putting an apron on was always allowed me to do anything. So I could prep in the morning for something at night because I had my apron on. I wore aprons. I had a collection of aprons. I have even had an apron birthday party. I was a messy cook. I am still a messy cook. And when you came to my kitchen, I didn't want you in my kitchen because the counters were dirty. There were cutting boards with remnants on them. And then somebody told me, well, maybe what you could do is have something that people could come into your kitchen and help you with and i i i remember saying this to my friend i don't want them to come into my kitchen period i think i want to say to you go sit down over there and be quiet till i'm done in the kitchen <laughs> now i hope i never said it like that but i think i might have said that like no 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 don't help me just just sit down and rest which means you know what's that code for don't come in so this friend encouraged me by saying, well, have some things because the kitchen can be an intimate place. I, said, I thought that was brilliant. You know, last-minute things that early guests can do. Butter in the dish, ice in the glasses, water in the glasses. Could you check for spoons and salt and pepper shakers and things like that? They're very practical, and I really need them to be done. The reason why I was not welcoming people in because I, didn't want anyone to know what a messy cook I was. I didn't want them to clean the kitchen the way they wanted to clean the kitchen. And the Lord began to show me, as I have been trying to show you, that this home of mine is holy ground. First of all, it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to Him. And we, my husband and I, have, without a shadow of a doubt, in all the years that we have done ministry, quote unquote, practical, organized, in the church, parachurch ministries. We have done the most ministry. What does the word ministry mean? Service. We have served more, loved more, listened more, encouraged more in our home than any place. I suppose that would make our home holy ground in and of itself because there have been many people who have come to our home and made it holy ground they've made this place that we try to make safe scenes of holy ground activity i also in the early days had a very disorderly world and if you've ever heard me tell the elizabeth elliot story you will know that she challenged me by saying don't carry a bible unless i'd swept under the bed years later i said to her did you ever look under my bed <laughs> because i was still stunned i'm still stunned by the sentence I, I've never used it myself, but I've quoted it so many times like, Don't carry a Bible unless you've slept under someone. What do you who's looking under my bed? And why should I sleep under my bed? And beds are places where people store things and who knows what I had under my bed in those days. But when I finally got to get a little more organized, um, before you know, I had stuff everywhere. There was an inability to find what I needed to actually welcome you into our home. Like, that, that's true. And I can remember saying hesitantly, knowing if I invited you for dinner, it would take me two weeks to get ready for you. Like, literally. Because the table had to be cleared off, and then I had to clean the house enough so you could go in the bathroom and get the papers up and the magazines and the piles. of I mean, that's just how I was. But then I got organized and I began to understand what this meant to say, welcome, 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 come in, come in. For years, I've said that as we started this broadcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us. We've read through the welcome prayer, which welcomes you to welcome the life that God has put before you. And the kitchen is more than cooking, but it does start with the basics. And I want you to know that the basics of getting organized Um, You can find in my book, Get More Done in Less Time, which is available on the website. You can also find it in um, seminar, which I've taught and videoed and is available during this pandemic time at no cost. Also, Get More Done in Less Time. Now, there are cooking shows aplenty, and they tell you how to cut a lobster, how to make a stew, how to prepare certain foods. This is good, and learning to cook will give you much more freedom Uh, But learning to prepare food, and remember that I have said for decades, the key word to organization is preparation. So the key word to welcoming people into your kitchen, into your home, is the same. Learn how to prepare food. Prepare it. Get it prepared. That's the key word so you can invite someone in. But the question is, what are you prepping that food for? Why are you making beef bourguignon? Because Julia Child said it so beautifully. She described every nuance of it. Or in my case, beef bourguignon, because my husband loved to eat it, and it was a very difficult dish to make. And I said, how about we make it just for the two of us, and we'll make it together? I got him in the kitchen, and he didn't mind it at all. And to this day, we make beef bourguignon together the two of us. He slices and dices and I sear the meat, and then we put it in the oven and then we enjoy it together. Sometimes when we go away out of these hot summers, I bring all the ingredients, including my pot, so we can make it while we're on holiday. The question is, what am I prepping that food for? Is the point just eating? Well, we've been talking about that, and it's not just eating, is it? Because you can eat anything, anywhere, in the car, right? You can eat a protein bar. These days protein bars are very popular. Why? Because you don't have to prep. And you don't have, Did you ever sit down with a napkin and a fork and cut up a protein bar? No, you just muffle it down and get through it and fill your body. And like my friend, who'd like to have paste, you know, various kinds of paste, so he just <sharp> the paste in and he'd get all the nutrients he needs. Well, beauty is about eating it and eating it together and sharing it and doing the ordinary and beautifying it. Now my husband has come to understand that I love to talk about food, okay? So I love food. I love cooking food, I love serving food, I love looking at food. My husband does not love food in the same way I love food, he never will. But one day I asked him five questions about the new recipe and I would always say, I just wanna know if you like it well enough that we should make it again, right? And he looked at me, and he said, oh, and then he said these words, good color and texture. (laughs) I can still hear him and see him, and I thought, you big tutor, you just think you're going to get me off your back, and it worked. And to this day, I mean, this is a long time ago when he said it the first time. To this day, if he sits down to a meal, he looks at me and he goes, Oh, good color and texture. (laughs) Now he'll add to it, Ah, beautiful plate. Mm, These napkins are nice. Or, What's the occasion? You know, but I am a it will come again person. And so when I prep for food, I prep her food because I know we have to eat, and I know that you'll come and eat, and I know I'll want to have you come again. And, and when I'm ready to clean up the kitchen, I clean it up because I know I'm going to use it again to do the same thing again. So I don't just hurriedly put the pot. I can remember when I was a mess, I would hurriedly put the pot, oh, sort of clean, in the cabinet and close the drawer. Because if you close the door, then the pot was put away, and that was the end of it. Then I would take the pot out, and before I could cook in it, I'd have to clean it better to put food in it. Now, I'm just telling you how it was. So I like to look ahead. So when I'm cleaning the pot, I'm cleaning I'm thinking about when will I use this pot again, fill in the bank, clean it up, put it back, get prepared. So I'm ready for the next occasion. The last nine weeks we've been living in a house without a kitchen. I have a microwave, a fry pan, a toaster, a freezer, and a refrigerator. It's hard to do. But I want to serve my husband nutritious meals as best as I possibly can. I'm grateful for the women and families who have brought us meals over the last few months. And especially in the last four weeks, I feel like a new woman not having to do that routine three times a day. So this cycle of menu planning, marketing, getting food prepped, and not just during the virus, so we can cook it and clean it up and do it all over again. Have you heard me talk about that before? It's about serving. It's about the exchanged life, which I mentioned last time we were together. It's about doing. It's about the drama of charity, as Howard calls it. Not political or the system, but in our homes kind of charity. It's not about feeding the poor. It's about feeding the poor in your home. It's about the beggars at the door. It's about sharing what you have. Nathan Foster, who is the son of Richard Foster and does some podcasting for an entity called Renovari, he tells a story about his father-in-law that I just love. I I just love it. It just speaks to my soul. He said his father-in-law had no food. And so he and his wife gathered up a bunch of food and brought it over to his house. I don't know the circumstances. Maybe his father had been sick. Maybe he was out of money. It didn't matter what the circumstances were. Brought the food. The father-in-law said, thanks. And they called him back. No, he called them back and said, oh, thanks. And he held the phone up. He said, can you hear Everyone in the neighborhood is coming and eating with me today. And here was a guy who didn't have food. Whatever the reasons were, it doesn't matter. Someone brings him food, and he generously shares it with others. Now that, that's a story. That's a reality. And maybe the kitchen is the closest thing we have to show how we serve our family and others, because they are on holy ground these are tasks of christ they are menial they are needed we serving one another as you give the least you give it to me jesus says it is a great place to teach what serving looks like the cutting the chopping the serving the cleaning the do it without grumbling and complaining as peter said i can remember my daughter when she was 11 years old and her best friend dressed up and they put little paper doilies on their heads and little fussy aprons and they served dinner to elizabeth and lars elizabeth Elliot and her husband lars and lars's mother while they were on a trip it was a sweet picture a sweet service a sweet time for them are you training your loved ones to serve each other and to serve those who come into your home it is a glorious and sparkling thing creation and resurrection and visions of god and it is a glorious and sparkly thing when you daily hourly in plain sight year after year day after day do the ordinary practical necessary and holy things it is routine and boring And we cannot count how many times we've served a meal or how many trips we've made to the market or how many carrots you've cleaned or diced or soups or bowls or sandwiches you've packed in your life and in my life. And I remember saying, I don't want to touch that food one more time. I made a menu. I went to the market. I put it in the card. I took it out of the card. I put it on the counter. I put it in the counter. I put it in the cabinet. I took it out of the cabinet. I washed it and cleaned it. I cooked it. I fed it. I washed it up. I counted it up. It was like 17 times I touched the same piece of food. It's boring, and you cannot count it. But it is my life for theirs. Bringing a meal to someone, caring for a child, Let me ask you, young mom, aren't there moments when the infant who is sucking the life out of you you just want to give that infant up and say, I'm done. I'm done. Now, you'll excuse my brutal honesty, but I can remember not my own child. Because my own child, the one God gave me, slept all the way through the night. Are you ready for this? At seven days. Not seven weeks, seven days. Oh, intermittently she would wake up. And I always said that was a blessing to her because I might have killed the child. I, I told you the story about her getting up in the mo- middle of the night and my telling her to go get cold water, go get a cold cough. She had a raging temperature. Don't interrupt me in my sleep. And I think I had this child we were watching for just four days. The child was up the first night the second night, and I was thinking, I might flush this child right down the commode. Now, you know I would never do that, but in the moment of exhaustion and tiredness, we forget what our charity really looks like. The drama of charity happens in the holy ground of your home, in your kitchen, in the ordinariness of preparing food to keep us alive. It is your charity. No matter how tired you are, no matter exhausted or frustrated or bored. You have left your mother and father. You are cleaving to your husband and wife. You are propagating the earth. You are sharing your life and your ideas with others. This charity is the mystery of the church. It is the mystery of Christ. And the kitchen is one room where we can learn this rite of charity, of service. And kindness to one another. The ordinariness of preparing the food we need to sustain our lives, done in the drama of charity. On holy ground in your home. I am Donna Otto, and we are modern homemakers, and I'm very emotional, aren't I? Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of ordinary food in your kitchen, holy ground.